We have someone following Jesus Christ in baptism today, not only at Deer Park, but in Yorktown and also in Gloucester. And we're also going to observe the Lord's Supper and tell the Lord Jesus Christ how grateful we are to Him for what He's done for us. It's a wonderful day. Amen? And I'm going to talk a little bit about baptism with you at this time. And um, uh, in evangelical uh, churches across the globe, there are many different traditions, various traditions. But there are only two ordinances, just two, that the Lord Jesus has given. And they are the Lord's Supper and they are believers' baptism. Both are commanded by Jesus Christ and both point us to His great sacrifice for us. His, his bleeding upon the cross. His, the, the sacrifice of His body upon the cross to make forgiveness of sin possible and union with a holy God possible as well. And these, these um, ordinances are worthy of celebration because of the meaning that are behind the ordinances themselves. Uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper. And we're going to baptize in just a few moments. But before we do, I think it's good if we look at the meaning of baptism. One definition of baptism is this. is to make whelmed or fully wet or fully immersed or to dip under. And in the New Testament, baptism describes a physical ritual or ordinance. But it also describes, more importantly, powerful spiritual realities in the life of the believer. An ordinance but powerful spiritual realities in the life of the person who has truly called upon Christ and has been saved. And it's, uh, as I said, it's worthy to celebrate because of the spiritual realities behind it. And we're going to look at a few of those spiritual realities in just a moment. But I, but I, but I think it's good to uh, make mention that baptism itself, it is a symbol. It is a symbol. Let's be clear. Baptismal water does not wash away our sins. Jesus Christ alone does that. The blood of Christ alone has the power to make our spirit man clean. The blood of Christ alone. So the water of baptism does not wash our, sin, our sins away. It's a symbol. Water baptism is a symbol of something that's much greater than the act of going under the water. Kind of like, kind of like uh, the wedding ring that I have in my hand here. It is a symbol of something much greater than a piece of jewelry. Yes? Now, I am so glad that I have a wedding ring on my finger. I like that ring. But it's nothing compared to the love that I have for my wife. The one that I am in holy matrimony with. The one that I, my life partner in Christ. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. I can have a ring on my finger, but I don't have a, if I don't have a wife in my life, am I even married? Of course not. Well, we can have baptism. And go under the water. But if we don't know Jesus Christ personally, do we have salvation? Of course not. It's just a symbol. And without truly knowing Christ, it, it loses its meaning. As a matter of fact, if I had a wedding ring on my finger but didn't have a wife, it could be deception. It says I'm married, but I'm not. We can go under the water of baptism, but if we truly don't know Christ, we're lost. And it can be deception. Thinking that I'm saved because I went through a ritual. But a ritual never saves. Christ saves. So it's a symbol. A symbol we're celebrating. A symbol of what Christ has done for us in His death and His resurrection from the dead. We're buried with Christ through baptism. And we are raised to walk in newness of life. It's a symbol. A very important symbol. And I'll mention this. It is a symbol. We shouldn't trust in it for our salvation. 
but it's a holy symbol. There's something possibly mysterious and holy about the ordinance of baptism. And it is powerful. It doesn't save you, but nonetheless, it is powerful. Why? Because Christ commanded it. And when Jesus says do it, it has power behind it. Be baptized, says the Lord Jesus Christ. And that kind of brings us, uh, brings us to our first point, if you have your handouts here. What actually is baptism? Baptism, if you're filling out the, handout, uh, the blanks in your handout, baptism is actually an act of obedience uh, to Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, he said, Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He commanded us to baptize. After trusting Christ, water baptism is a significant act of obedience to the one who has saved you. Obedience to Jesus Christ is extremely important. Amen? You want to prove your love for Jesus? Obey Him. Do you want to see your relationship with Jesus Christ come alive? Obey Him in deeper ways, in fresh ways. And one of the first ways we can obey Jesus Christ is by water baptism, after receiving Him into our lives. Water baptism is an act of obedience. Secondly, if you're filling in the blanks, believer's baptism is identification with Christ, His death and resurrection. In the book of Romans, the scripture says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says that we have been buried with Him by baptism into death. We have been buried with Him. Identification with Christ. Verse 5, it says we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death. Through baptism, we are basically saying that Jesus, He not only died for the human race, He personally died for me. I identify with Him. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just a sacrifice for the human race. He bled on that cross personally for my sins. I identify with Him. And He identifies with us as well. It's an identification with what Christ has done for us in His death. And also His resurrection. It says in verse 5 of Romans chapter 6, Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. In the light. He rose from the dead, but His, res his defeat of death... His resurrection from the, the dead affects me as well. We Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later he bodily arose from the dead. He conquered death. And through baptism we personally identify with Christ's resurrection. We go down into the water, but thank God we come up, right? <laughs> we come up again. Christ rose from the grave, and we believe. And we believe that His bodily resurrection and His resurrection power one day will raise us up from the grave as well when He returns to this earth a second time. Amen? We identify with that. He, his resurrection wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, isolated in that time. His resurrection affects my future, and one day I will have a glorified body as He has. Amen? And not only that, the resurrection power of Christ affects me right now today. As he lives in me and gives me victory in life as I abide in him. We identify with Christ, his death and his resurrection. 
Baptism is a is identification with that. And also we talked about the symbol. Baptism is also it is a symbol of powerful spiritual realities in the believer's life. Actually, powerful spiritual realities that have already taken place in the believer's life have already taken place and hopefully are uh, having uh, present effect in the believer's life today. If you fill in the blank, that's the the third blank, is that the believer's believer's baptism is a physical symbol of powerful spiritual realities in the believer's life. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward transformation. An outward symbol of what God is doing on the inside of the person who is truly connected with Christ. Amen? Thank God we don't just have empty symbols. If all we had were empty symbols, we'd have dead religion. Do we have dead religion in America? Do we, is that helping the situation? We need a living Christ. And that's who we have. And we, and, and His, there are powerful spiritual realities that baptism is a symbol of. And the first spiritual reality is that the Holy Spirit has immersed every believer into Christ Himself. If you fill in the blanks, the Holy Spirit has immersed every believer into Christ Jesus Himself. It says in Galatians 3.27, it says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. The Holy Spirit does those who have received Christ and put their trust in Him and turn from their sin. We who have done that, we have been immersed into Christ Jesus Himself, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have come out of the darkness and into His marvelous light, into Christ Himself, who is the light of the world. You have come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God and have been immersed into Christ Jesus Himself by the work of the Holy Spirit when you called on Jesus Christ. You know, when we receive Jesus, a whole lot more happened than we're aware of. When we said, yes, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I put my trust in you. I turn from my sin and Son of God, Lord Jesus, I turn to you. A whole lot more happened than we're aware of. And one thing that happened in that moment is God, the Holy Spirit, He immersed you into Jesus Christ. You came out of death into life. You came out of eternal darkness into eternal light. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Amen? And that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Another spiritual reality. The Holy Spirit has immersed every believer into the universal body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We have been baptized, immersed into the universal body of Christ, the church, capital C, which is one spiritual body with hundreds of millions and multiple billions of members from every ethnicity, every race, every continent, every generation throughout human history. One body of Christ, we have, when we accepted Him, the Spirit of God immersed us into that body when we were saved. We are a part of something much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than a local church. And thank God that He has included us into His forever family. And the last, and the last spiritual reality that I want us, that baptism uh, symbolizes, that I want us to look at today, is that, is that, um, is that the Holy Spirit has, 
has immersed every believer into Christ's death and resurrection. Now, that's a little bit of a review of what we've already spoken about, but there's so much meaning in that, we're going to look at it again in Romans chapter 6. We have been baptized uh, into His death and resurrection after receiving Christ by the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, verse 3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Why is that significant? What's the effect of such an event in our lives? Why does that really matter? You're baptized into His death. Why, does that have, why should that have meaning for you today and for me in 2019? Well, it's because of this. Because we've been baptized into His death, my brothers and sisters in Christ, now we have been enabled, and now we are called by God to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now we have been enabled, and now we have been called by God not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies to make us obey its passions and its lusts. And now we have been enabled by God and called by God not to allow sin to have dominion over us. Since you are no longer under law, but now you're under grace. You're in a new kingdom. You're in a new covenant. You're in grace now. And we who are baptized into Christ and into His death, when we receive Jesus Christ, listen, our sinful nature was dealt a death blow. I'll say that again. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, something amazing happened. Your, your sin nature was dealt a death blow. And so we have died to sin, is what the Bible says. We have been crucified. We have crucified the flesh, is what the Scripture says. So now we have a choice. We do not have to live under the power of the sinful nature. Because there is a greater power at work inside of us. The risen Christ. Amen? So now we have freedom and to choose. Now we have freedom to choose to live in obedience to Him. You look at your next slides. Now you have the option to resist sin. You have the option, you and I have the option to resist sin. Why? Because we've been crucified and our sinful nature has been dealt a death blow when we said yes to Jesus. When we said, and I don't know about you, have you ever been a slave of sin? I was after I was baptized, actually, for years. Because I didn't know I have a choice in Christ now. I didn't know. May God take His truth and renew us in the spirit of our minds so it changes how we live out our lives. Amen? We have a choice now. As we were baptized into His death, our sin nature was dealt a death blow. And also, we were at, because we've been baptized into His death, we will also partake in His resurrection. And verse 4 in Romans 6 says, As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Verse 8 says, We believe that we also live with Him. Verse 11, Consider yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. 
and your members, the members of your physical body, your members to God as instruments of righteousness, of righteousness, of righteousness. We've been baptized and immersed into the life of God. Whether you feel it or not, if you know Christ today, you've been immersed into God's life. And He wants freedom of expression in us as we grow in Christ. We are partakers of His resurrection life. In Christ, we have power to live a new life, a transformed life, increasing in freedom, increasing in Christ's likeness. If you fill in the blanks, now you have the opportunity to live in victory. Live in victory. Because when we said yes to Jesus, a whole lot more happened than than what we realize. We are in Him. And He is in us. And we can live in victory because of that. So uh, without further ado, we're we're going to look at a video of of a young lady who is following Jesus Christ this morning in baptism. And we celebrate her obedience to Christ and enjoy the video at this time. In a Christian family, and decided um, to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was in middle school. But then, how much I put Christ in the forefront of my life has changed over the years. So, when my family and I started coming to Coastal in the spring of 2018, my husband and I were going through a lot of marital struggles, and we truly feel like Coastal has saved our marriage so much. We were able to grow closer to the Lord, which also allowed us to grow closer to each other and continue to grow as a family. And I recognize the importance of fully surrendering my life to Christ. So I started seeing a major transformation in my life when I started regularly praying, deepening my knowledge of scripture, and authentically connecting with other believers at Coastal. And I started experiencing greater joy by just putting all those stresses at the feet of the Lord and extending more grace to both myself as well as other people, including the renewal of relationships in my life. Understanding how much grace God has extended to us and thinking about extending that same grace to ourselves and to other people has truly been transformational for me because I tend to be such a perfectionist, so knowing that I'm not perfect, no one else is perfect, and God still loves us, we can show that same love to other people in our lives. I'm so excited to be taking this step today in obedience to God with being baptized. I grew up in a Christian... Stand with us and sing, How Great Is Our God.
You may be seated. How great is our God, amen. In all of his greatness, he would sacrifice himself for us. Praise God in heaven, amen. Well, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. But before we do, we're going to read from Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20. The Gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 14. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from, from now on, until I will not drink of that fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. In Jesus' time, uh, here in verse 14, he says to his disciples, he says, I have earnestly desired to take this Passover with you. Earnestly desired. And in Jesus' day, the Passover celebration was a huge deal for the Israelites, an extremely important holiday for the Jewish people. In some ways, it was kind of like our modern-day Christmas celebration. Can you believe Christmas is upon us? Can you believe it? Here it is. And you know, at Christmas time, it seems like everything stops. Kids are out of school. Shipyard closes down. Oh my goodness, how many gifts do you have to buy? The relatives are coming over. There's all these preparations. There's excitement in the air. Christmas time. In the same way in the first century for the Jews, the Passover celebration was a time of great excitement and, a great, and great preparation. Everyone looked forward to it. Yet the Passover for the Israelites was more than a holiday celebration. It had deep spiritual meaning and significance for them as a people and as a nation. Because thousands of years before Christ, when, when the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt on that first Passover night, after hundreds of years of slavery, God came to set them free. And He sent the death angel an agent of God's judgment to Egypt on that first Passover. And God warned His people about the coming of the death angel who would kill the firstborn of every household. And that night, all the firstborn children were to die at the hand of the death, death angel unless, unless they would take a healthy lamb and sacrifice it and apply His blood on the doorpost. And as the death angel passed, when there was blood applied to the doorpost, the death angel would not enter the house, but he would pass over, and they were spared from God's judgment. And this act of faith and obedience, it saved the children of Israel that night. Those who trusted in the Lamb's blood, they lived. And during the first century, all all the Jews in Jesus' time knew this story very well, and it was actually ingrained in them from childhood. And now here in Luke chapter 22, thousands of years after the first Passover, here Jesus is reclining at the table with His disciples. And this is what He says. Now I am about to be that Passover lamb. Now I am about to be sacrificed for you. Now Jesus is saying to them, now my body will be broken. And just as that lamb was, it was killed thousands of years before in Egypt, now I will be sacrificed and given and given for you. Just as the lamb was sacrificed in Egypt so long ago to save the, the children of God in Egypt, now Jesus is saying, my body is about to be given for you. And he says, take the bread, break it, for this is my body, and do this in remembrance of me. 
Jesus' body was broken. It was crushed under the weight of our sin. Jesus' body was broken. It was crushed under the weight of God's wrath and God's judgment. He was sacrificed on the cross for us so that all who trust in Him would escape God's crushing judgment due to our own rebellion, due to our own pride or lust or greed, whatever the sin might be. We've all spurned a holy God, all of us. But Jesus was crushed under the weight of God's judgment so that we would not have to be crushed, so that we could be set free. This is my body, broken for you, Jesus said. And in like manner, in verse 20, Jesus took the cup saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Just like the lamb's blood was shed and applied to the doorpost in Egypt so many years ago, now the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, is about to be shed and applied to the cross to spare us from God's judgment. The payment, the payment for forgiveness of sin is blood. Period. Our good works can never take away our bad sin. A lot of people think this. I can earn my way to heaven. If I'm good, I might make it. Maybe if, I'm, if I do a lot of... That's a lie. The Word of God says in the book of Hebrews that the only, only through the shedding of blood is there forgiveness of sin. Only through the shedding of blood is there forgiveness. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of goats and bulls and sheep. But when Jesus Christ died, His blood was shed to give eternal forgiveness. And it is sealed in the blood of Christ. Jesus... Jesus bought forgiveness for you, and Jesus bought forgiveness for every person in this house with His very own blood. For everyone who would believe in Him will be cleansed and spared from the judgment and wrath of God. In verse 20, Jesus says His blood forms a new covenant between God and man. The old covenant was based on the law, which we could not keep perfectly. The new covenant is based on grace, on the undeserved kindness of God, expressed as Christ took our place on the cross. We could never be good enough, but Jesus was. Christ was goodness and holiness to the core. We have all fallen short, but Jesus has pleased the Father in every single way. Jesus opened the way of salvation for us with His own blood sacrifice. The new covenant... This new contract with God is not signed in ink, but in blood. The very blood of Christ, the blood of God the Son. Jesus' blood alone has the power to cleanse us from sin. Amen? Jesus said, take this cup. It's my blood spilt for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pray with me, if you will. Father God, thank you so very much for being willing to send Jesus, your Holy Son, down here to suffer, to rescue us. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we remember what you've done for us. Jesus, thank you for giving your body to be crushed. Jesus, we thank you for giving your blood, spilling your blood out so that we would not have to experience eternal damnation. We can never repay you. But Lord, we want to spend the rest of our lives thanking you. We can never repay you. 
But Lord, we want to spend the rest of our lives living for You, the One who died and rose again on our behalf. We want to worship You and give You our hearts afresh this morning for what You have done for us. Your body broken. Your blood shed so that we could have life eternal. We will forever praise You. We are grateful, grateful to You this morning, Lord. Thank You for what You've done. In Jesus' strong name, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take the Lord's Supper now, but before we do, I have just a couple instructions to share with you. Um, we are we're going to uh, we have the elements up front, and we also have two two stations in the back. And how we're going to do this is when you are ready, just come on up front if, and and partake and grab the and take the elements and return to your seats. You can take the communion with your family. You can do it with your small groups and, and pray together if you like. And when you're ready, just partake of the elements. If you might, if you might have mobility issues, please as we, uh, just raise your hand. And people from the two stations in the back will bring the elements to you. And there as you're seated, uh, you can partake of the bread and the wine. But, but, so let's, uh, let's, at this time, let's take of the bread and the wine. And remember what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And also would like, also like to say, uh, this ordinance of the Lord's Supper is for believers, believers in Christ. And if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ, we invite you to observe. Just to observe, because it's an ordinance for, for believers. But we also want to say this. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ yet, we're so glad you're here. God is glad that you are here. And we, would you please consider asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life today, to cleanse your sin, to, to save you. You can do that today. So after we take of communion, if you want to come up to myself or Pastor Joey or some of the others on the prayer team, if you have not yet asked Jesus to come into your life, please do that today. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Now let's partake of the Lord's Supper together. Come as you're ready.
please stand with us and sing. Perfect love could not be all. 
And it been a great Lord's Day this morning. Why don't we do this before we go out reading our benediction? Let's go to the Lord and just thank Him uh, for our time in worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what You've accomplished for us in Christ Jesus, Lord. We're thankful that Jesus is in fact risen from the dead bodily and eternally, and because of that, Lord, we can have hope. That, Lord, just as Christ was raised from the dead, Lord, we too will bodily rise from the dead, God. And so we look forward to the day that Christ returns and brings with him the new heavens and the new earth, Lord. And so until then, Lord, we come every Sunday to be reminded of what we're going to be doing for all eternity, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, this morning, I just pray and I thank you for the Lily family. God, I thank you for their commitment to you. God, I thank you for um, what you've done in in Craig's life and in Beverly's life, Lord, through uh, your gospel, Lord. And God, I pray for both Harper and for Wade. God, I pray that, that they would grow to know and love the God of their parents. And so, Lord, strengthen them, encourage them, Lord, persevere them with them in that shepherding work, God. And Lord, help us as a church body to link arms with them to reinforce what they're teaching in the home, which is that Jesus is king and he's good. 
And Lord, we thank you for Leslie. God, we thank you, Lord, that, that uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you intervened in her life, God, and you, you took her heart of stone and you gave her a heart of flesh, God, and now she lives for you. So thank you for that reminder through baptism that what Christ did was sufficient to bring us in right relationship with you, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would be with Leslie, Lord, as she seeks, God, to worship you with her life, God. And Lord, we thank you for the reminder of, of, of the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus through this supper, God, this means of grace where you're spiritually doing something in our lives as we reflect and partake. And so, God, never let us grow callous to the sufficient work of Jesus. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as always, our benediction is up on the screen. This is a prayer that we're praying over.